Hello everyone, this is Tyler Feinstein, this is Season 1, Episode 2 of Talk with Tyler. In today's episode, we'll be focusing on the NBA Draft Summary as we look into all of the first round picks. I will do some of the second round picks that I thought were pretty good value for what they were. So, without further ado, let's get started. First up, the Magic won the draft lottery and got the first overall pick, and they decided to select Duke power forward Paolo Bencaro, who was a great scorer at Duke, was a very strong, tough guy around the post, and overall had a very, was one of the better um, freshmen Duke has ever had in their history, which is saying a lot with how many greats there were at Duke, and even led Duke to the Final Four. Now... All three of the top three picks, we knew where they were going to go, but we didn't exactly know what order. It was actually Jabari Smith was the favorite to go first overall until Adrian Wojnarowski broke the news that the Magic likely wanted to select Pal. <coughs> Sorry, my bad. Select Paolo Bencaro first overall, which they did. Now, there wasn't um, Jonathan Isaac. We'll see how he gets back from injury. So it'll be interesting to see how him and Bencaro share minutes. Um, Wendell Carter will be at the five. And they have some promising guards in Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony. And also have a promising small forward in Franz Wagner. So while the Magic are a long way to go from making the playoffs, they definitely have some solid, talented pieces to build around. Next up, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder, who decided to select Gonzaga big man Chet Holmgren. Um, Holmgren was pretty known in high school as well. He was known he was going to be a top five pick for a while, and he did. He ended up being a top two pick. And this is a great pick for the Thunder, probably the best landing spot, as the Thunder have a very bad depth in the front court. They didn't really even have a starting caliber center. I want to say the starting caliber center was like Derek Favors. So that was definitely nice nice to get someone like Holman who can lock down the paint and can even stretch the floor. His comparison was Kristaps Porzingis and also Giannis Antetokounmpo, but that's just blasphemous to me. But... The Kristaps Porzingis one was fair, especially early in Kristaps' career where he was a really good defender. Now he's kind of taking a step back due to how many injuries he suffered. He's nowhere near as mobile as he used to be. But Shet, he's very mobile for a guy of his size, can stretch the floor. And I think overall we'll have a very nice pairing with him, Shea Gildas-Alexander, and Josh Giddy. So the Thunder definitely actually have some promising pieces. We'll get to the Thunder a lot more in this draft as they were very active during the first round of the draft. Next up, we have the Houston Rockets. And with the, the two of the three top three guys taken, the only choice for the Rockets to make was adding Auburn power forward Jabari Smith, who some saw as the best player in the draft with elite upside, a very high floor, an excellent shooter from deep and a very versatile defender as well. And as and the Rockets had basically no one starting at power forward, though they pretty much had locks everywhere else on the roster in terms of the starters. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were going to be the starting guards. Alperin Sangoon was going to be the starting center. And Jayshon Tate is the starting, is the starting small forward. Well, technically Eric Gordon is, but he might get traded. So I'll say it's Jay Sean Tate for now. But overall, the Rockets add 
a very, very talented piece in order to in this long rebuild, but they definitely have some guys to look forward to, though it will be tough for them also because the Western Conference is very unforgiving. Well, same with the East, though. I should have mentioned that for the Magic. But a very unforgiving road, but they could possibly make some noise in a few years. Next up, one of the more interesting picks in this draft. Um, the popular consensus for the Sacramento Kings was to take Purdue shooting guard Jaden Ivey to pair with De'Aaron Fox. But after so many years of taking guards, the Sacramento Kings decided to go in a different direction and actually take Keegan Murray, the combo forward out of Iowa. Now, I do actually really like this pick. Keegan Murray gives the Kings a lot of needs. Their three-point shooting wasn't great last year. He's an excellent shooter from deep, shot 40% from three, 50% from the floor overall, is a versatile defender, and can score on all three levels of the court. And he's only 20, I want to say, maybe 21. And he will likely start at, yeah, start at power forward because Harrison Barnes is likely a small forward, though you could inter intertwine those if you, or that is very interchangeable if they want, if they want to do that. And overall, I actually think it's a very nice pick for the Kings. Next up, the Pistons fans were very excited as Jaden Ivey fell into their lap at five. And it was the easy choice to take him as the Pistons don't really have a reliable shooting guard. Killian Hayes hasn't developed as expected. So they decided to take the decided to take the explosive athlete out of Purdue in Jaden Ivey, who has potential to be a monster scorer. Even Jay Bylas said Jaden Ivey is the best overall athlete from this class, with lightning being lightning quick and also lightning fast. And will give the Pistons some nuts needed firepower as they were one of the worst offenses in the league. And then they traded Jeremy Grant to the Portland Trailblazers. So they definitely needed a ton of support on offense. And they got that in Jaden Ivey. Next up, we have the Indiana Pacers, who actually went in a different direction than I thought. I thought they would go more, I guess, the upside route in Shaden Sharp. And they did select Benedict Matherin, who has upside. It just most didn't see him having as much up upside as Sharp. But then again, I don't know what the Pacers know or really any of these teams know. So they must have thought he was a better fit or they just liked him better as a prospect. But Benedict Matherin was the Pac-12 player of the year, scored really well, and is a very explosive athlete and can play both shooting guard and small forward. And the prior and probably actually will play a shooting guard as the Pacers really emphasize getting a teammate for newly acquired point guard Tyrese Halliburton from the Sacramento Kings. So overall, a pretty solid pick. Next up, we have the Portland Trailblazers who made a very interesting pick. I thought they would actually go Dyson Daniels here just because I feel maybe he'd be a little more of a win now player. But they actually did select Shaden Sharp, who likely isn't going to make much of an impact in year one. Especially because, remember, he came straight out of high school. He didn't exactly play for Kentucky. He reclassified into the class of 2021 when he was supposed to be in the class of 2022. But he was an excellent scorer at Sunrise Christian Academy, averaging 22.6 points per game. And we'll see. I, I don't know. I feel like the Blazers might trade him, though, because why draft someone that isn't going to play for you right away if the Port if Portland's idea is to try to get back into the playoffs and make a decent run in the playoffs. 
after that, um, the Pelicans were up on the clock. And Dyson Daniels, I felt, was the easy selection. Look, I'm a Hornets fan. I know Devontae Graham well. But he's definitely more of a sixth or seventh man on an NBA team. And while his passing is nice, his efficiency has been very bad through pretty much every year of his career. And Dyson Daniels is a very nice point guard to start. He's exceptionally good defensively. He knows how to pass, though his offense is a work in progress. He averaged 11-5-5 in the G League for the Ignite. And I think overall the Pelicans' backcourt is very interesting. Him, alongside of C.J. McCollum, could in a few years become one of the league's better backcourts. At ninth, we had the Spurs, which could have gone a number of different directions with this pick, as they don't exactly have... Well, I guess DeJounte Murray would be the guy to build around, but outside of him, there wasn't a clear-cut franchise guy you'd keep. They had they have some good players, like Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Lonnie Walker, Jakob Pertl. I thought maybe they might go Dur- Durin and maybe trade Podol, but that didn't end up happening. And they decided to go... The versatile Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Now, this definitely helps their defense a lot as the Spurs are a shell of what they once were on defense when they were in their prime in the Big 3 era and even a a few years post-Big 3 era. They had one of the better to best defenses in the league. They were very scrappy. They'd always play low-scoring games like 95 to 87, 91 to... 83 scores like that but recently it hasn't been that way so they decided to upgrade on defense with Jeremy Sohan who was the sixth um, big 12 sixth man of the year for the Baylor Bears and overall I really like his upside on the defensive end offense is definitely a work in progress and his shooting is very below average at this point in time but overall I really do like this a pick for the Spurs. They went like best athlete available. And I feel like if you're in a position like the San Antonio Spurs, you do that. Wizards was a tricky one because there was a lot of rumors they were going to trade for Indiana Pacers starting point guard Malcolm Brogdon with the 10th pick as they wanted a veteran starting caliber guard. But I guess they weren't able to find that because the Wizards decided to draft Wisconsin shooting guard Johnny Davis, which is interesting because, I mean, I don't think Bradley Beal's leaving. Probably not. I mean, I could see in a world and it happens, but I feel like Washington wouldn't do that, even though they probably should. But anyway, back to Davis. Davis was one of my favorite prospects in this draft as he was one of the best scorers in the nation. Then he suffered a leg injury late in the year, and he wasn't nearly as efficient as he was in the beginning to middle of the year. But... He was still easily worth a lottery selection, and he's also very good defensively for a guard. Most guards that enter the NBA draft usually aren't very good defensively. There's exceptions, but most of them usually are very one-sided when it comes to their traits. Usually they're a better offensive player than they are a defensive player. But Johnny Davis has some really nice defensive skills for a Washington team that desperately needs any sort of defense as the only competent defenders I can really name on that team are Daniel Gafford and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, next up was a very, uh, I'm going to say this was the Thunder because they traded with the Knicks. They traded three future first round picks for this pick and went with New Zealand's Ozmane Dang, 
who I don't know as much about as the other prospects, but he is a major project. And offensively, he definitely has potential, as well as defensively. But defensively, he's a bit he's a bit spotty right now in his development. And he's a major project. I wouldn't be surprised if it took him two, three years to really develop into the player the Thunder want him to be. And the Knicks, all their draft picks are protected 2023 draft picks. Thunder are up again as they did not have to sacrifice the 12th pick in this case. And they decided to select Santa Clara's wing in Jalen Williams, who's capable of running the offense and had a very, very nice stretch for Santa Clara and led him to a pretty solid season, actually, because they were down for a little bit. Um, Very nice, reliable shooter, pretty decent defender as well. So the Thunder just went the all-around kind of good-at-everything player. And again, their front court is severely lacking in talent. So getting a guy like Jalen Williams will definitely help in that. Um, next up, this was the basically Detroit's pick as the Knicks traded Kemba Walker and Jalen Duran, who they got from the Hornets, to the Detroit Pistons. And in return, the Pistons gave a 2025 first-round pick via Milwaukee, to the Knicks, and the Hornets got back um, a 2023 first via the Denver Nuggets, three, three 2023 second-round picks, and a 2024 second-round pick. Two of those are from the Knicks. The other second-rounder is from Utah, and the other one is whoever finishes better or whoever finishes worse between the Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, as a Hornets fan, I did not like this trade, as I just didn't understand it. Not that I was upset with Duran. I liked Mark Williams and Duran equally as much, but it just didn't really make much sense for me. For the Knicks, it was simply to dump salary, and for the Pistons, it was to get another young player. But I don't understand that, for us at least, and honestly, it really annoyed me, but... The next Hornets pick won't annoy me, as we will get to very soon. But overall, Jalen Durant will probably be the starting center for Memphis. They do have Isaiah Stewart, though he could also play a power forward, or he can be the backup center for them. So the Pistons definitely were one of the biggest winners of this draft. They got a ton of young talent, and definitely in a few years I could see playoffs for them. I wouldn't say this year because they're extremely young, still have a lot of growing pains, and let's and this personnel right now isn't the best defensively with really the only good ones being Stewart, Bay, and Duran with really no one else because their depth is rather shallow. But I'd say overall it was a really nice pick for the Pistons. Next up we have the Cleveland Cavaliers who selected recent national champion player Ochai Agbaji. Cleveland lacked uh, like a true scoring wing, a, a two-way wing, I should say, because Isaac Okoro is more strictly a defensive player. Seti Osman's kind of just okay at everything, but not, like, good to great at anything. So they decided to get a solid two-way wing, an experienced two-way wing, spent four years in college with the Jayhawks, and was one of the main reasons why the Jayhawks won their first national championship since 2008. So he definitely helps on the defensive end. Not that Cleveland, Cleveland actually has some really nice defenders on the team, especially in Mobley and Jared Allen, anchoring the front court and the paint. 
But I think Ochai, since he's older, he's going to make an impact more right away, which is a lot of things NBA teams don't understand, is that, yes, while they are 22 years old, they're more likely to make a bigger impact as they are more fully grown into their bodies. Now back to the Hornets. They selected a favorite of many mock draft experts who had the Hornets taking Mark Williams. Mark Williams is a super active defender, locked down the paint exceptionally well when he was at Duke, and has a great motor, never runs out, and will be a very good rim-running buddy for LaMelo Ball. Now, I don't think he'll start over Mason Plumley right away, but I do believe he will get minutes right away. And I do believe after, let's say, about 25 to 35 games, I do think Mark Williams will be the starter for a young Hornets team who definitely still has some pieces. And while I was annoyed with that Hornets trade, that doesn't really deter me from saying this is still a young, up-and-coming Hornets team despite that rather blunder, in my opinion, with the Jalen Duran trade. Next up, the Hawks get one of the bigger steals in the draft in Duke's A.J. Griffin. The Hawks desperately needed any sort of wing as they were severely lacking in the area this year, and it got exposed really badly in the playoffs as they really struggled to defend any sort of wing player throughout the regular season and the playoffs. So A.J. Griffin will definitely be somewhat of a developmental pick, but I think... He can be kind of like the new Cam Reddish, what Cam Reddish was for them. Maybe possibly a bit more efficient than Cam Reddish was. Next up at 17, we have the Houston Rockets who take the best player available in Tari Eason, who did a really good job scoring off the bench, averaged 17 points per game off the bench for the Tigers, and can guard positions one through five and will help a Rockets team that was absolutely dreadful and defensive. I think they were last in defensive rating, which is obviously somewhere where no NBA franchise wants to be. So I think overall it was a really nice selection for the Rockets and definitely also helps their depth. A team was a bit of a surprise as um, the Bulls draft Dalen Terry out of Arizona. Now, admittedly, I don't know as much about Dalen Terry, but at this point of the draft, the depth was so shallow that all these guys from like 18 through 30 are very close in terms of talent. So I guess they went with the guy that they feel is best available. Bulls, they kind of lack sort of a wing right now. As, as yes, DeMar DeRozan's a really good scorer, but they really didn't have much in the way of defense as Caruso was their best defender. But they had no really good defenders on the wing after Patrick Williams went down for the entire season with a hand injury. Now, he will be back, but there still isn't much depth behind him, so Dalen Terry will definitely fill that role. Next up, this was a trade. This was really Memphis's pick in a trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves where they selected Duke power forward Jake LaRavia, who's kind of, I guess, more of like a Memphis pick, just good at especially good and scrappy at defense, versatile player, can do a bit of everything, and that's what Memphis really wanted. Now, it will be interesting because they also have Brandon Clark in that front court, the backup front court, so we'll see where LaRavia gets minutes. Spurs were up next, and they draft shooting guard Malachi Brenham from Ohio State. He was a late riser in this draft as he started the season pretty average, but really high up towards the really scorched up towards the end, averaging 20 points per game in those final, what, 15 games? And 
I'd say Spurs, they're just going best available player here. They're going best available player. They don't, they're trying to see what sticks and what doesn't stick. So Malachi Branham, they don't have the best effect shooting guard. I think Lonnie Walker, but he's going to be a free agent soon. I think, is he a free agent this year? I actually think he's a free agent this year, so we'll see if the Spurs bring him back. They have a ton of cap space, so they definitely can bring him back if they want to. But Malachi Branham, whether Lonnie Walker stays or not, is a solid value pick at 20. At 21, the Nuggets draft also national champion Christian Braun, who was part of the 2022 national champion Kansas Jayhawks. And this is a bit of a surprise. I thought he'd go more near the 30 range, but... The Nuggets don't have the best depth at guard right now, especially with still injuries to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., who will hopefully see get back on the court this year. Um, Christian Braun will prove depth for a Nuggets team that doesn't exactly have a bunch of depth. The only notable guys on the bench are Monte Morris and... No, Will Barnes start. No, no. Will Barnes starts. Yeah. So they don't really have much depth outside of Monte Morris. They drafted Zeke Naji, but he probably still needs some time to develop at backup center. So I think Christian Braun, just a solid backup guard who can definitely be a bit scrappy on the defensive end. Next up, we have the Grizz, well, the Grizzlies who traded this pick to the Timberwolves. So this is really the Timberwolves pick. And the Timberwolves decided to go something interesting. They decided to beef up the front court and draft Auburn shot blocker Walker Kessler, who was the best shot blocker in the country as he nearly averaged five blocks a game. And that's interesting. I wonder if he'll be put in when Carl Anthony Towns struggles on defense. As we all know, Carl Anthony Towns has never been a good defender. And Walker Kessler was an excellent defensive player for the Tigers. Led him to a number two seed in the tournament and overall this definitely helps Minnesota defensively somewhere where they haven't been great the past few years um 23rd this was actually a trade the Memphis Grizzlies decided to trade backup point guard DeAnthony Melton to the Philadelphia 76ers for this pick in which they selected another well-rounded player in David Roddy who I was actually surprised. I thought he was worth a first, but I didn't think teams would view him that way, but they did. And David Roddy is a nice, really nice defender, good shooter, can score in bunches, and led Colorado State to a pretty solid sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. And overall, this is more wing depth for the Grizzlies as... Outside of Desmond Bain and Kyle Anderson, they don't have like a crazy amount of depth behind those two on the wings. And I think David Roddy could actually end up, especially David Roddy, end up being starter material. I actually even like him more than uh, Jake LaRavia, to be honest. 24th, the Bucks were up, and they decided to go best player available in Marjon Bochamp as they had a, a lack of depth at guard. Especially because Pat Connington's a starter. Nothing against Pat Connington, but he doesn't. He's definitely, in terms of starting shooting guards, he's definitely toward the bottom. So Marjon Bochamp maybe could challenge him for the starting job. Unlikely, though, as Connington will likely still start. But Marjon Bochamp is a nice perimeter player the Bucks need, as that is their biggest weakness right now. So getting a player, a perimeter player like Marjon Bochamp, is always a welcomed addition. 
With the 25th pick, the Spurs draft Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame. And this is where he was supposed to go. Again, just a n loading up on the wings, loading up at shooting guards and small forwards is what the Spurs plan is. And we'll see how it works out. We'll see who sticks and who doesn't. And Blake Wesley, out of all the remaining shooting guards, he was the best one available. 26, this pick was traded to the Timberwolves. So this is the Timberwolves pick. Um, originally the Mavericks pick. And decided to take Duke wing player Wendell Moore Jr., who's sort of like he could play point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. Has some nice defensive abilities and is especially a solid facilitator. So another nice depth pick for the Timberwolves. Who don't exactly what you'd have called great depth. As that definitely hurt them at times this year. So overall, I do like Wendell Moore. I actually thought he wasn't because a lot of people were saying he was going to follow the second round. 27, the Heat take a big project player in Nikola Jovic. Which, yes, that sounds very similar to NBA MVP Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. But this is definitely a project pick. He's definitely not going to get many minutes right away. But in the Miami Heat system where you can take your time to develop, especially with how many starting caliber players they have and they have a lot of good depth players, that won't be an issue for Jovic. He'll just take his time to develop and he has some nice facilitating skills and offensive skills for someone his age as he is very young. And overall, I'd say it's just a solid developmental pick. Same thing goes for the Golden State Warriors as they select Milwaukee's Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was a top recruit in the high school high school scene. He decided to play for his father at Milwaukee. However, things did not exactly go to plan as he got hurt and didn't play the whole a whole lot due to him being hurt and the Milwaukee team struggled. The Panthers decided it was enough and fired Patrick Baldwin Sr., which likely led to Patrick Baldwin Jr. declaring for the NBA draft was selected as a lottery was seen as a lottery pick by most. So I think this is a solid get here for the Warriors. Just load up on wings. It's a safe pick. Well, I shouldn't say a safe pick, but there's no risk in it. It's the 28th pick of the draft. And Patrick Baldwin Jr. definitely has upside to be better than this 28th selection. 29th, the Grizzly takes someone who was seen was uh Actually, this was also traded to Minnesota in the trade. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves get themselves a backup point guard in Ty Ty Washington. Probably a best player available as he was supposed to go in the late teens. So this was very good value to get someone who is as solid as a facilitator as Ty Ty. As apparently there has been reports they're going to trade D'Angelo Russell. But that also means there's not going to be much playmaking if that's the case. And Ty Ty Washington's a solid playmaker himself and puts his play puts his teammates in the better positions to succeed. So it's an overall excellent value pick for the Timberwolves. As the Timberwolves actually start damn, they got a lot of damn picks. <laughs> and then finally, this was a very interesting pick of the third. Now I don't know as much about this guy, other than that he was a top recruit and had some good defensive potential. Um this was the Nuggets pick, so this is also interesting because the Nuggets don't have great depth, but they decided to select UCLA's Peyton Watson, which was interesting because he barely even played at UCLA. He only averaged like three points a game, which is absolutely atrocious. 
but they must have seen something in him for So, more of just an athlete to develop. We'll see if he even makes it. I don't know. I'm not big into drafting project players like that, especially if you're a contending team. But I digress. Now, we're going to go over some of the second-round picks that I felt were solid value for where they were. First up, uh, Jaden Hardy, who was drafted by the Dallas Mavericks, who I actually could see getting some playing time. He was a top recruit, the number two recruit in high school, but... His, um, making the jump from high school to the G League was definitely rough for him as he didn't have the best efficiency. But for a team like the Mavericks at pick 37, there's no risk and he has a ton of upside. So I think overall that was a very nice pick. One pick later, the Spurs drafted a backup point guard, Kennedy Chandler, who was seen by many as a first round pick. So I'd overall see that was a very nice pick. Gives you more playmaking, which is what the Spurs of old were you were where, yeah, the Spurs of old always did well. They always had excellent ball movement and excellent playmaking. Were always top in the league in assists. And overall, Kenny Chandler definitely seems like a San Antonio Spurs developmental pick. Next up, uh, we have 40th overall, the Hornets, who selected Nebraska's Bryce McGowan, who also some people also saw as a first-round talent. Mainly just a score, not great at anything else. And has a pretty good shooting for him. And while he only shot 27% from three at Nebraska, he definitely has the tools and the form to improve in that area. And hey, maybe he gets a few minutes with the Hornets this year. Next up, the Pelicans drafted EJ Little from Ohio State, who many saw as a first-round lock. He fell all the way down to the Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans have a bunch of forwards, so I don't know if I'll exactly see playing time. But I think overall... It was especially an excellent value pick. I mean, at 41, again, no risk with a potential player who's actually pretty damn good at defense. Um, next up, we have Kendall Brown, who at one point a lot of people saw him as a first-round pick as well. He was picked by the Pacers with the 48th overall selection. So, again, another guy who's a major project but also has some upside to turn into a good defender. And overall, I'd say those were all of the major steals of this draft. And that concludes this draft. And overall, I will admit, it was a very predictable draft. Like, there wasn't many surprises. Also not in many in the lottery, which I think also kind of um, contributed to this draft not being the most exciting. There wasn't many interesting trade scenarios you can think of. There wasn't many... (sighs) There wasn't many scenarios where you could say, oh, this could happen or that can happen. So I'd say overall, it was definitely, un- like, I liked some of the players, don't get me wrong. But overall, I'd say it was somewhat uninspiring of a draft. But hey, that, what do I know? This draft could turn out fantastic for all I know. And best of luck to all these 58 players. Go out there and go achieve your dreams of being a great NBA player. And with that said, that's all I have for you today. Um, Also, make sure um, you can also follow my Instagram and Twitter, also known as Green Bay Hornet, as well. 
Well, overall, guys, um, I had a great time talking to you. I had a fun time talking with you about the draft. Um, see you around. Peace.